Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place. As we sing songs, Lord, that come from our heart, a heart of gratitude and appreciation for the incredible things you do in our lives and for us. We can't help, Lord, but to sing the way we do and to express our innermost feelings to you. You're beyond good. Even when we're going through our difficulties and challenges and the cycles of life affect us in so many ways, you're faithful. You're always there. Thank you for the victory that we can have this day, that we can come before you, Lord, through song, through prayer. And, Lord, heaven is moved, and your presence just floods the place. The warm embrace, Lord, of your arms around us to sustain us. Help us, dear Lord, that we may honor you in every way. Visit our homes and visit our families. Help us, Lord, to experience the miraculous in a world that's upside down, Lord, that we might enjoy your peace, your shalom that surpasses all understanding. We pray, Lord, thanking you always. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord forevermore. God is just so amazing. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated in your place if you can. The Lord is just so good to us that we can just worship the Lord. And, and as we sing, even this, this evening, it's amazing how, you know, we break out in a song and immediately uh, heaven is moved and God just shows up in a, such a soothing, soothing way. It almost feels like we're not right in the middle of, in the center of New York in the most, uh, the greatest island in the entire world. That even here, in the, the light of glory, the light of the gospel uh, shines in places of darkness. And we're grateful to the Lord for his presence in our lives. And we're grateful for the, to the Lord for, again, moments like these when we can worship and praise. I'd like to take the, my time this evening and just share with you from my heart uh, something that's been stirring for quite a while. And I want to just uh, confess to you that uh, this uh, uh, teaching, preaching is going to uh, focus on insights that I have been able to glean that hopefully will guide all of us uh, to be successful in this journey towards spiritual maturity. I think one of the things that we need to uh, highlight as we're navigating the pandemic, the economic disaster that's going on around us, and, and all the back and forth that is happening in the public square today, uh, is to exhibit and exude uh, spiritual maturity rather than jump and become emotional and make comments and even as we, we peruse through social media, things that are not pleasing to the Lord responses. And sometimes it takes a, a strong person, a, a, an anchored person, a balanced person, uh, not to engage in the way we sometimes want to. And so I, I want to take tonight and, and, and just share with you on, on that journey towards the spiritual maturity. As disciples, followers of Christ, I want to talk about a, a disciple's journey towards spiritual leadership. And when I say spiritual leadership, it is not just um, leadership in the church. Oftentimes we connote that phrase right away with some kind of title, position, or program, or thing that I have to run. Uh, but rather to demonstrate leadership, if, if, if you were able to listen to Pastor Enid Almanzar's teaching in the reflection this morning, it was much, she just didn't have enough time to really expound, but she touched on some really key things that I think serve as a platform for me today. Uh, and she was talking about that leadership, spiritual leadership, is not just about occupying those things, but it's to be the leader in the home. 
It's to be the leader of your, of your own life. It's to be the leader of your family, the leader in community, the leader in your business, the leader in the, in the goals and strategies that you have for your own development. And that's where I want to go to. Yes, there'll be moments in my presentation that we'll be talking about and alluding to uh, the journey of leadership and how that can be um, uh, the, the pressure and the pushback that we, we, we find in that but ultimately is to help us to mature. It's help, it's help us to get stronger. It's help us to become more grounded in the Lord. There's several passages of Scripture that I'm going to share with you to highlight three specific areas tonight. And as I mentioned before, Pastor Enid talked to us this, uh, this morning, and it was qualities or characteristics of leadership, of spiritual leadership. If you remember, she talked about that one of them is to be a good listener. She said that we need to be obedient was her second observation. And she brought a third observation of long-suffering. And then the fourth one that she presented was to be completely reliant on, on the Lord for our strength. And there we were looking at the characteristics. What are the qualities? What are the things that, that make up a leader in order to make it through and be effective and reach that place of excellence? And I'm grateful that she did that. But tonight, I'm going to take a different path with you. And I'm going, to, I'm going to metaphorically hold you by the hand. And let's walk down this path, this journey called spiritual leadership. Rather than qualities and characteristics, let's walk down this path. Let's walk down this road. And let's stop along the way. And let me show you certain things that happen on this journey. Because oftentimes, you can be qualified. You can be prepared academically. You can be prepared with the right resume and all of that. But really where the rubber meets the road is when you confront obstacles, when you have situations that only you are able or called to be able to, to navigate through them. And, and that's where success or failure uh, uh, visits us. Visits us. We, can, we can be a tremendous leader in a non-COVID year. We can be a tremendous leader outside of 2020. This year is where leadership is really tested. And this year, as we observe around, is where we see either brilliant leadership or the lack of. And I'm, and I'm, I'm here to submit to you that oftentimes we might see the characteristics, but it's about the journey. It's about the path that you take. And I hope the following, that when I'm done in this presentation today and this teaching, that some of you will feel confirmation in your heart about uh, and feel the Holy Spirit tugging on you uh, to serve. But I also hope that, believe it or not, that my presentation tonight will frighten you so that you won't even touch leadership because you might realize that you not, might not be ready to walk down this path. I've selected for today several scriptures, but I want to launch off one, and that's Paul's teachings in Romans 12, verse 1, where he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Or This is worship. This is the lifestyle of worship. But the, the word in there, the words in that phrase that I want to capture is to offer yourself voluntarily. No one twists your arms, but rather you, of your own volition, you step forward uh, to give of yourself, to offer yourself. And when he says about living sacrifice, of course, he's writing 
to the Romans, and in that context, they understood sacrifice, they understood altars, they understood an aroma that was pleasing, holy and pleasing unto God. So he's uh, using these, these words to capture their imagination and then be able to build upon that thing that he captured and then build upon them the requirements or the, the things that are necessary to grow. Uh, I'm going to focus on this, and, and, and really this, this teaching tonight is going to, it's for, it's for these people. Listen to me. This, you may fall into one of these categories. Uh, the, my focus tonight is to share insights on how to go through this journey uh, towards spiritual maturity. It's for those people that seek to travel more deeply into their relationship with God. I think uh, we need to move away from expecting somebody else to always be there to pick me up, to hold my hand, to see me through. We need to make a, a decision in spiritual maturity to begin to stand on our own two feet. And that's who this is addressed to, those people that seek to have a deeper walk with God, that they don't fall apart when somebody doesn't greet them, that they don't decide to find somewhere else because they sang the wrong song. I might be exaggerating in my examples, but I'm doing it on purpose, so you'll get what I'm talking about. That they develop a level of, of thick skinnedness, if you will, that when troubled times come, because they will come, when challenges come, because they will come, when storms come, that you don't fall apart. So those people seeking to travel more deeply into their relationship with God. And this is, has to go beyond talk. Uh, this is also for those people that feel a tug from the Holy Spirit for service to God and service to His people. That may not necessarily be church service. It could be in the home. It could be at the, at the workplace. It could be in the community. It could be in the marketplace. But you feel a tugging in of the Holy Spirit in your heart to do such a thing. It is for those people that seriously commit to service in God's kingdom. And for those that God has called into kingdom service, take it seriously. Take it seriously. This is for the long haul. This isn't for, this isn't for a moment of, of popularity. It's for the long haul. When things are going well and when things are not going well, you make a serious commitment. And I'm going to unpack that for you in a little while. This is for those people that are ready to do the heavy lifting. And it requires tremendously heavy lifting. Why? Because you have to do it on your own. You can't rely on someone else any longer. There are things that you need to put in place. There are things that you need to recognize. There's conversations that you can't even have. Even if you think you can't even have. I remember uh, attending a study, of rather a conference years back, where Tommy Barnett, who pastors in Arizona, uh, a large church over there, and he says, you know, uh, leaders can think about quitting, but they never do. They can have it in their mind. They never express it. And there's things that you just cannot do. So you have to make a serious commitment and you have to make a, get ready to, 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 uh, to do the heavy lifting. And someone talks about you. It is not the time to, uh, for retribution. Sometimes you just got to take the hit and not say a word and just move forward. Why? Why? For me, it's because I know one day everybody's going to have to give account to God. And sometimes we want to set the record straight. Let it go. The heavy lifting requires that you just walk away from that. And let it go. Yeah, but people are going to think. Let them think. As long as you know your life is right with God, that's heavy lifting. That's part of the denial of self on this journey called spiritual leadership. I also want to uh, address those that are willing to accept the invitation. Listen to this. this in fact, I, I, when I was reviewing my notes uh, today, I said this is probably the verse I should have used as the launching verse. We have to be willing to accept the invitation from the Apostle Paul when he tells Timothy, he tells Timothy, he tells Timothy, Timothy, join me in suffering. 
Imagine if I went to you right now and I said, come on, join me. We're going to go get beat up in the corner. I would probably go by myself. Come on, let's go because they're going to take away all the things that we have. Come on, join me. Paul tells Timothy, who he saw potential, he saw seeds of potential in his life, told him, listen, Timothy, join me. Not in the rally, not in the, in the big crusade, not where all the people love me, but join me <laughs> in suffering. That's the invitation today. Now, when I think about the journey of leadership and spiritual leadership, I, I can't help but think of altars. And please follow me for a moment because I, I want to present to you altars because Paul, writing to the Romans, they understood this thing about sacrifice, uh, holy and pleasing, the fragrant aroma uh, uh, going up to, this, uh, up to the heavenlies. Uh, they understood that. So altars is important to, for us to understand for this teaching today. When I refer to altars, what am I talking about? Now, please write this down because it is not what you think. I want to expand for the sake of being contextual today. I want to expand this idea of altar. Altar definitely is a place, a place of death, a place of slaughter, a place of the shedding of blood. Most definitely, particularly in the Old Testament, it is the, the place where human beings met uh, and satisfied the wrath and the justice of God, according to the Old Testament. But for today, I want to expand that to be the following. Listen to the definition. An altar is a place, a space, or a mindset where a person presents to God a very personal offering or sacrifice. I'm going to repeat it. It's a place, a space, or a mindset where a person presents to God a very personal, confidential offering or sacrifice to him. It's, a pla it's an alone place. It's a place where you stand on your, by yourself. It could be a physical place, a space that you have during a worship experience or a, a prayer outing that you have or a, a retreat that you're on. But it's also a mindset. In your mind, you develop this space, this place in your mind where you offer a very personal offering and sacrifice to the Lord, where no one else might even know what it is, but he knows. And I want to talk about three altars today. Let me outline them for you, and then we'll continue. This is the journey. This is the journey. I'm holding you by the hand, and I'm going to take you to, we're going to stop at three altars along the path. The first altar that I want us to stop on, stop is the altar that I call the altar of confession. You've heard me. If you've been with me for a while here in the church, you've heard me talk often about, the, about confessing, particularly when, do, when we do Holy Communion. And, uh, and the altar of confession is simply that altar that uh, to freely, openly, and completely uh, we abandon ourselves and put our most personal failings at the feet of God. That is the altar of confession. Is where we go not pretending any level of holiness or sacredness, but on the contrary, understanding and admitting and owning the failures that, are, that we have in our lives and we lay them before the feet of the Master. It's not trying to make a case for our justification. It's telling God I blew it. It's telling God I sinned. It's telling God that I failed. It's telling God that I messed up again, but not for the sake of simply you know, uh, venting, but with the plan of never returning to that place of error and of sin and of failing again. That's what spiritual leaders do. That's the high calling 
to be able to walk down this journey towards spiritual leadership, to freely, openly, and, and with complete abandon, put our failings, our most personal failings, at the feet of the Lord. Another way of looking at the altar of confession is to, uh, uh, to honesty, uh, uh, it's honesty to work and not repeating these failures. You know, you have people that they come and they, they confess and then as soon as they leave the door, they're back to doing what they were doing before. The second pastor of this church, Pastor Rosario, used to have a, a, a teaching and he used to uh, allude to this thing. He used to do it often. He says, you can't be thinking of the altar here as a wash basin, that you come and you clean your face, clean your hands, and then you go out and you get dirty again. It's got, there's got to be a commitment to wash less frequently, not more frequently. And we need to think of it that way. Oftentimes we look at confession as simply something that I do 90 seconds before I drink the bread, uh, drink the cup and, and eat the bread at communion. No. We have to work. That's why I said heavy lifting. Work hard and not repeating that. Work hard and not doing that thing that is my human failing and, de and depravity before the Lord. And work honestly at trying not to repeat that again. It's about not going back there again and doing that again and being with that thing again and having that action again. That's the altar of confession. It is not just me sharing, but it is me also putting in place boundaries, levels of restriction, Things that I know that I can't go there because if I go there, it's going to lead to something else. That's why it's maturity. It's interesting because you have a right to do whatever you want to do. And God's going to, he's not going to snuff you out. But we have to, we have to live with the consequences of our decisions. And sometimes we have to deny ourselves things that we can buy, we can pay, that might be legal. But you know that it is not good for you. And you have to be mature enough to say, can't go there, can't do that, because that's going to revert me right back to that uh, uh, old type of behavior. The altar of confession includes, includes our actions, includes our thoughts, passions, possessions, even accomplishments. This journey that I'm, that I'm taking you, and we just stopped at this altar of confession, is that even the things that, uh, the accolades that I've gotten, the, the recognitions that I have, and not that you're going to go now and, and throw them out, no, but, but you realize that we're broken and I have to confess those things before the Lord. The verse that I want to share with you is 1 Peter 1 uh, and 9, which it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And by the way, the altar of confession is one of the altars of process. We constantly, you heard me share this in my own personal walk with God. You know, they, they, I confess every day, every single day I confess before the Lord. And sometimes it's more than one time a day. And we have to realize that depending upon where we are, what we're doing, what we're involved in, or the, 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 the influence and power of the attack that comes against us, confession has to be a practice that we, or discipline, that we do every single day and often, as often as we have to. Let me grab your hand and take you to the next altar, because this was the altar confession. The next one is what I call the altar of brokenness. You've heard me talk about that here as well. The altar of brokenness. Let me just define this for you. The altar of brokenness, and by the way, these are altars for believers, not for non-believers. This is for believers, people that are walking with the Lord. This is those seeking spiritual maturity. The altar of brokenness is that altar where we, here's the key word again, where we voluntarily, now watch this. This is When I wrote this, I had to stop because it, it, it's piercing. The, the altar where we voluntarily place the broken, and breaking pieces of our life. 
before God. Not just the broken, but the things that right now are breaking. Did you get that? To voluntarily place them at the feet of the Lord. I want to read that again. It's where we voluntarily, of our own volition, place those broken and breaking pieces of our lives at the feet of God. Let me tell you what it includes. You're ready for this one? This is really powerful. I think this is very liberating in my, in my opinion. This includes the altar of brokenness. means that I lay before the Lord the resolved things. The resolved things are those things that I don't do anymore. The, the things the Lord freed me from, delivered me from. But they're not only resolved, but they're also some things that are unresolved. Things that have not been taken care of yet and that, that are in process of being resolved. You got it? So it's resolved things under the blood. It's unresolved things that I'm still working through because we're all on the construction. But this next one is probably the one that's hardest to do. The things in our lives, not just resolved, unresolved, but also unresolvable. Did you hear what I said? Unresolvable. Unresolvable things are things that are not fair. Unresolvable things are why can they do and I cannot do. Unresolvable is the, 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 the craziness of passions that run inside of us and you pray and you fast and you can't manage them. And God tells you as he told Paul, my grace is sufficient. That's not fair. But we have to get to a place of the altar of brokenness. That's the place where you go to and you lay it all at the Lord voluntarily. Breaking, uh, broken, breaking, resolved, unresolved. And then those things that are unresolved. Lord, why? Why? It's, it's the preacher that prays for healing when he or her him, uh, themselves have sickness in their body. That's the altar of brokenness. The altar of brokenness is having to minister to individuals, family members, loved ones, be with people that, that you know that they don't have your, your best interests in mind. Unresolvable. Unresolvable. This is another unresolvable. You made a covenant before the Lord because the Lord called you into a specific ministry that you were going to live in a certain way and now you feel caged because you can't break out till death do us part. Unresolvable. You got to stay there. Or you feel a tugging of the Lord. And this is happening more often now than ever before. You, you feel a tugging of the Lord because your, your sexual orientation is not what other people call normal. <laughs> but you know God is over you. You know God is leading you. Unresolvable. And you make a vow. You say, Lord, for the rest of my life, I'm just going to stay this way because I'm not going to go down that path. It's tough. It's tough. That's the altar of brokenness. It's the place where the broken pieces and the breaking pieces are placed before the Lord uh, at the feet of the Lord. It is here, listen to me carefully, it is in the altar of brokenness where we feel completely incapable of any achievement. I have to let that sink in. Just because people say, you're great, you played well, you sing well, you preach well, you doesn't mean that you feel that you did 150%. You feel insufficient. And it's not low self-esteem. It's not feeling that you don't belong. It's not that you have a, a low value or worth of yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. It's to that place where you say, Lord, I can't believe you used me. I can't believe that that phone call that I made, was that, that was no big deal, but it encouraged somebody. 
I can't believe that that smile had that impact on that sister, that brother. The place of brokenness is when we feel completely incapable of any achievement. In fact, we're not even expecting to be pulled back, put back together. It's that place where we realize that God's grace is so awesome that even in our crazy brokenness, resolved, unresolved, or unresolvable, the Lord still sees us as gifted and being used of the Lord and His favor and grace comes over our lives. Woo! Praise the Lord. That's where we move forward to do when we say, but Lord, use here, use him, use that one. They're better quality. But the Lord says, no, it's you. It's you. And in the moment of that fear and feeling un- that you cannot achieve anything, you step in what? Obedience. Obedience. You have to be a master in obedience. Master obedience. Be, be an expert in obedience. You move forward in obedience, although you know that someone else might be able to do it differently. But God, but God, but God has his eye on you. And you're the one that's supposed to lead that family. And you're the one that's supposed to work that project through the business that you're in. And you're the one that's supposed to speak in the public square. And you're the one, although others might be more qualified. And you might even feel, Lord, just point who it is that you want and I'll help, them to, I'll help to develop them. No, it's you. But you have this feeling deep down inside. You have this feeling. We're not expecting to be put back together. But rather, we, we get to a place of having nothing to give, yet we still say yes to the Lord. It's Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. When you hear this verse, Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You're in that place of feeling empty with nothing else to give, but you've seen the King, the Lord Almighty, and you say yes, although everything inside of you wants to yell out no. You say yes to the Lord. That's the altar of brokenness. It's a place that's bathed with God's grace. It's a place that's bathed with God's power and anointing to carry you, you through to the other, uh, the other side. And there's so many examples that we have of this. A great example, uh, one of uh, the examples that can carry in all of these is Jesus at Gethsemane. Jesus at Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. I want to get out of this, but not my will. He was empty. He was empty. But yet, obedience took him forward. Grab my hand again. Let me take you to the other altar because I just stopped with you at the altar of confession. I stop with you at the altar of brokenness. But let's stop at this next altar, the altar of surrender. Of surrender. Of surrender. We fight with him. Oh, my goodness, do we fight with him. We fight with him. We fight with God. There's got to be a point where we stop fighting with him. Let me describe to you the altar of of surrender. Is that altar where we get to a place where we totally yield to a higher and superior authority, that being God. It's, it's where we get to that place, the place of surrender, is where we get to that place where we understand, listen to this, we understand, I can't do this. But we also understand on the flip side, he can. And then we understand a third uh, stream of thinking, I can't, he can't, 
but greater is he who is in me than he, right? With the Lord, I can do it. So here's the altar of, here's the altar of surrender. The altar of surrender is that I become complete symbiotically with God because I know what I cannot do, he will do for me. And he will do through me. It's this partnership that we end up understanding that left to my own volition, I should be dead. I might as well be just as dead. In fact, Paul understood this when he wrote to the Galatians. He said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in what? In the Son. You talk about a symbiotic phrase there. I live by faith in the Son. I live not, not, not in, the, in, in the practical sense, in the, in the natural way, but by faith in the Son. Symbiotic. I'm connected to God who loved me and gave himself for me. If we can stop as often as we can at these altars in our life, the altar of confession, the altar of brokenness, the altar of surrender, and stay there for the length of time that we need. Sometimes we need to stay longer in one than the other. And we cycle through these in our lives. I'm telling you that we will get to this place of being incredibly effective in God. And, and on this, as I'm closing, this is not just in the area of church ministry, in every area of our lives. I believe in the, the business people that are listening to me right now, if we can take that and go to that altar of confession, and go to that altar of brokenness. Realize that, yeah, you're, yes, you're creative and you have all these ideas and you're strategic and you, you're able to understand the nuances of finance and all of these things and understand, understand the marketplace well. But we get to the place where we lay everything that we are to the Lord and we yield and surrender to Him. The output of all of that is going to be excellence. It's going to be achieving potential that we could never achieve on our own. Paul to the Romans was telling them this. Offer yourself. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. We need to do this now in order to rescue our families, become effective in, in the call that God has placed to us in the secular sense of the, of the teaching, but also in church, in his kingdom that we will be effective in him. The journey towards spiritual maturity is found in these three altars. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus, understanding, dear God, right now that it is necessary for us to journey through. That when problems come and difficulties are presented before us, we can't shrivel up. We can't hide under a rock. We have to seek at becoming stronger and more dependent on you. The task, Lord, of leading a family is, 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 is beyond human effort. When I think of the moms and the dads and the single moms and single dads, Lord, that are trying to navigate today all the pieces of what this pandemic has done to their lives, the finances, having to now become, all parents now become teachers, having the kids more often in their home, trying to, all the logistics involved with all of that. Lord, I believe that it is that we have to journey through confession and brokenness and surrender in order to be effective in that area. So help, Lord, bless the parents and the families and let, let them see the importance of becoming servant leaders this way, mature this way, 
it will be helpful. The business folks that are with us as well, Lord, running an enterprise, an organization. Lord, we have to continue to grow ourselves. We grow ourselves, that will grow the people that work for us and report to us. That will grow, Lord, the level of creativity. When you have more people involved and you lead them correctly, the, level, the IQ level of the room rises exponentially. So I pray, dear Lord, that those that are listening to me right now might not be directly in church ministry, but Lord, running enterprises and organizations, grant them wisdom. Let them, Lord, uh, journey down this path through these altars that will help them be strengthened. Look at those, Lord, that speak in the public square and advocate for the disenfranchised and the marginalized. Help them, Lord, understand as well that those altars are important for us so that we can reach our fullest potential in you. And then finally, Lord, those called to ministry in your kingdom, leadership in your kingdom. Lord, as long as we're called, we'll make it through. But there are no promises made, Lord. It won't be a bed of roses all the time. But if we can just learn, all of us, learn to trust you, to be obedient to you, to confess frequently, Lord, to be able to go and, 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 and find ourselves at your feet at the altar of brokenness and yield and surrender to you. Lord, you will do what we could never do. You will help us achieve what we will never be able to achieve on ourselves, by ourselves. And I pray, Lord, for those, my brothers and sisters, that are dealing with resolved issues, unresolved issues, and unresolvable issues. Help them, Lord. Cover them with your grace and love so that they might be able, Lord, to continue marching down this journey toward spiritual leadership. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. I think we sang I Surrender All before, right? Let's, can we do that? Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe you can lead it from that side over there. I surrender.